Hey everybody, welcome to the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about the delicious, certified gluten-free breads, bagels, English muffins, and other baked goods that are made right here in Johnstown, Colorado. Canyon Bakehouse's gluten, dairy, nut, and soy-free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again. Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. J.D. Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the five. Touchdown, Colorado State. Guys, we are back with another edition of the BSN Rams podcast. As always, I am your host, Justin Michael. Sorry for the delay. On this one, we had to do some work on the back end of the website, doing some technical changes, so I didn't end up getting to post my initial post-game reaction that I recorded at like 4 in the morning Friday night. Uh, Probably for the best, to be honest with you. My voice was pretty hoarse. And I was just ex- just sheerly exhausted. So, yeah, I mean, I, I probably was not as coherent as I hopefully will be in this podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about that CU game, Mike Bobo's comments. I obviously posted a response column already just kind of addressing my thoughts on Mike Bobo going after the officials there. Definitely a little bit surprising to see him come out so hot the way he did, especially unprompted but I mean it, it does make sense just given how the games have gone the last couple of years obviously really wanted to win that game I think you saw some frustration at the end there where he called the timeouts he did you know justify them by saying you know we we preach to play to the end so we are going to play to the end and that's admirable admirable to an extent you know that's that's a respectable way to go about the game uh, one could argue, you know, it's just kind of pointless at that point calling the timeouts when you're down 20 in the last minute, but you can't blame him. There's nothing wrong with that. The game still had time. You can do it. You know, there's no rules against it. So nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. But yeah, as far as the, the comments go, I think you saw a lot of the media criticize him for it, which that's something I wrote. You know, he will face heat for the comments, just given that they've lost five games in a row you know when you when you win you can pretty much get away with doing or saying 
most things, but when you lose, it comes off a little bit as sour grapes, just especially, you know, you get he They turn the ball over four times, which he, he admitted, he goes, you know, you can't win when you turn the football over four times. And he admit that they got their ass beat. That's a direct quote, not me paraphrasing. So it's not, it's not like he blamed the loss on the officiating. I think just how he came out so hot about it in his opening statement, it, it came off the wrong way. And as a result, you know, a lot of the sensationalists in town like to run with it and write just, I don't know, columns that blow the whole thing out of proportion. And that makes sense, but I, I, I didn't really have any issues with it. I think overall, Bobo knows turnovers were the biggest difference in the game, particularly that Marvin Kinsey fumble, because at that point, both both sides were pretty much trading scores you expect to kind of go and take the lead there after unfortunately giving it up right before the end of the half. If the defense would have been able to hold, that would have been monster. It would have been just a huge swing of swing of momentum to take a lead into halftime. I think that really would have shook CU to an extent, but Instead, CU obviously goes right down the field and scores in like a minute 20, takes the lead right back, come out, fumble right off the bat. Bobo claims that the official was telling everyone to ease up. I didn't see that, but, you know, I can't, you can't tell from the video. You don't know what the umpire was saying. I doubt he would, you know, make something up about that. So I believe him, and that really swung things. It was pretty much impossible to, well, it wasn't impossible, but just really tough to come back after that. So, yeah, overall, just a fairly frustrating loss for CSU. They're now going to have to turn their attention to Western Illinois. We are going to talk about that game a lot this week. Going to have Kevin Lytle on the podcast at some point. Hopefully going to have Ryan Green. And I've reached out to some media members that cover Western Illinois. So I'd like to potentially get their insight as well. So we'll definitely talk a lot about that. I'll write about that. But... I, I did want to just remind everyone that it wasn't all bad. We're going to really go into this game in detail of what CSU did well in a second and just talk about the positives that they can build off, what they didn't w- do well as well. That was a mouthful. We will also talk about what they didn't do well is what I should have said. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break. Before we do, I threw a get- together a little bit of a montage of the scoring plays just to remind everyone it wasn't all bad. So enjoy that. Eight-man box. Hill with time. Floats one long. Towards the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! CSU Dante Wright, the freshman. He's doing it right now on this field tonight. Hill looking for Jackson, who's open in the end zone. Reeled in for the touchdown! Allow that young man to go up and make a play. Alan Thomas is the running back. Rams need two. There goes Wright. He's got the first down and more. Dante Wright to the end zone. The Mountain West isn't going to like the rest of the season. Hill looking for Kenzie across the middle. Butler's wide open for the touchdown. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. 
For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale. But for those of you that have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it, and you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned where we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. All right, as I said before the break, there was quite a bit that CSU did pretty well in this football game. They gained more total yards than CU, 505 compared to 475. Colin Hill threw for more yards than Steven Montez did, uh, 150 more yards to be specific. Really a pretty decent game from Colin Hill overall. The turnovers were obviously killer, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but Overall, I was pretty pleased from the offensive line's play. It was definitely a concern going in. There was the play in the second half where Colin Hill just got absolutely blasted. Running back missed the pass protection, and Hill just gets blindsided, ends up fumbling. CU is able to score. That was really bad. But overall, you know, you only gave up two sacks. CU defense was able to force three tackles for a loss. So all things considered pretty decent showing for the offensive line let Colin Hill get time go through his reads Uh, the rushing game was pretty decent as well 131 total rushes for 131 total rush yards for CSU 4.2 yards per carry overall you know pretty solid especially considering CSU didn't have Marcus McElroy one of the starting running backs he's been battling an ankle injury for the last week or so Sounds like they expect to have him this weekend, but we'll see how much he ends up playing, how much he ends up being a factor. I like McElroy a lot. I like what he brings to the ground game, so I do think they will try to run the football more with him in the picture, um, especially just given how this offense can can build off the, the play action. It was pretty successful against CU. They were able to catch some linebackers on ideal matchups, and they were able to take advantage Nice to see Cam Butler score a touchdown. I I really expect big things out of him and Trey McBride this year. I've talked about it a lot. I think this offense can be fairly, you know, productive if they can get the tight ends involved. They're a little bit thin at wide receiver until Nate Craig Myers can play. But, you know, there there is talent there. You saw Mike Bobo get really creative with how they use Dante Wright. I've been talking about him for weeks. This kid can fly. Man, talk about an absolute stud performance. Leads the team in rushing yards with 59. Has a 38-yard touchdown reception. His first collegiate career catch is a bomb for a touchdown in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. You can't, you can't make that kind of script up. So I was, I was really excited to see the young kid have a great game. And what I was even more impressed with, honestly, was after the game, you know, you would think that a true freshman having as solid of a day as Dante did, he would be just stoked at how he did. But man, he was, he was just upset. He was so mad that they lost and you just like to see the fire out of that. I mean, it it would have been really easy for him to just be stoked about his individual play. And I'm sure he's proud of himself and happy with what he did. But the fact that he was so upset, he couldn't even brag on himself, you know, I just I think that's pleasing. I think it's it's good to see the state of this locker room and and how badly these guys do want to win. They were they were pretty upset after that CU game. 
uh, including, you know, Logan Stewart, who I got to talk to, Colin Hill, everyone, everyone was pretty solemn and that's to be expected, but you can tell that they're still confident in themselves. I don't think the sky is falling or anything like that. The, the defense needs to tackle better. It just, oh, so many missed tackles in the second half. It was a huge issue, a big reason that the buffs were able to kind of run the clock out and just, you know, put their foot on CSU's throat there in the third and fourth quarter. Fontenot just was able to run buck wild and found the end zone a couple of times and just tough to, tough to overcome, especially when you're, you know, at a size disadvantage like CSU was and the buffs were able to pull away when it mattered. So yeah, frustrating that the defense wasn't able to tackle. Um, I did like how people were flying around, especially in that first half, you know, they should have had two, three and outs on the first three series. Rashad Ajayi got called for pass interference on the second series and that kept it alive, unfortunately. But overall, I do think there is talent there and I think they'll correct some of these issues that plague them in week one. Always hard to tackle week one just with how little these guys are able to actually practice tackling now. You know, so much of it, we talked about it in camp as thud and non-contact and then the game comes around and it's a lot faster and you're trying to tackle someone who's legitimately trying to run through you. So overall, I think it will get better. The turnovers have to improve. Colin, you know, I asked him about that first throw, the one where he kind of tried to force it to Warren Jackson in the end zone there. He says he would, he would throw it again. I still think he forced it, but you know, he's obviously confident in his arm Second one, the ball gets tipped. Safety's able to just make a phenomenal play. The fumble was bad, but it wasn't his fault. He got blindsided, so I'm not worried about Colin Hill with ball security. He can run the offense. I was really impressed with just how smooth and methodical he was operating at the line of scrimmage. It was good to see he looked pretty comfortable throwing the football. Hopefully that continues moving forward. They're going to need a big year from Colin Hill if CSU is able to do anything, and we're really going to see, I think, against Western Illinois, just an opportunity for hopefully to, for him to get in a rhythm and just get this offense moving, get some first downs. Uh, it would definitely be disappointing if CSU ended up struggling against Western Illinois. I don't expect that at, uh, I don't know a ton about this Western Illinois team. It's, it's really hard to find a lot of information about them. I mean, you can go to their team website and stuff, but not a ton of folks writing about Western Illinois to be expected um after that obviously you have two monster games in arkansas and toledo you got to find a way to split those games at the very minimum go one and one hopefully go into conference play sitting at 500 if you do that you got to win four conference games out of eight to make a bowl game that's possible it's difficult but it's possible so yeah we'll be we'll be talking about that a lot as time moves on when we come back from the break we're going to talk about just the Mountain West a little bit and what happened around the league. Really great weekend for the Mountain West as a whole. So we will talk about what is going around the league. All right, guys, we are going to wrap things up with a little Mountain West football talk. It truly was an awesome weekend for Mountain West football. Brett McMurphy on Twitter pointed out that as far as the group of five versus the power five in week one, the Mountain West went four and three. The American Conference went two and four. The Sun Belt went one and four. Conference USA went zero oh and three, and the Mid American went zero oh and five. 
also got a little bit of love on ESPN, which tagged the Mountain West, the Mountain Best Conference. Just going to read a little excerpt from ESPN on that. The American likes to call itself the sixth member of the Power Five, but the title might actually belong to the Mountain West. How's this for a start to the season? Hawaii tops Arizona in Week 0, Nevada pulls off a stunner on Friday against Purdue, Boise State dominates the second half to beat Florida State in Tallahassee, and Wyoming stuns Missouri in Laramie. Wake Forest's final minute magic also proved to be the only thing keeping Utah State from adding a fifth win over a Power 5 opponent for the Mountain West. UCLA, Oregon State, and Oregon might be a bit nervous for their Week 2 games now, too. So a little bit of love from ESPN for the Mountain West. That's always good to see. Really just a great weekend for the Mountain West. Boise State upsets Florida State amidst the hurricane stuff. They had to move the game to Tallahassee. Ends up not being a problem. Boise State down early. Really looking like they were going to get outclassed. And then they just completely flipped things around. Hank Bachmeyer, true freshman quarterback, really really impressive day he kind of got a lot of national love for that and 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 rightfully so it was a it was a huge game for him and Boise State as a whole really a statement win talked about on our you know preseason preview that Boise State is definitely the best group of five team in the country this year return all five starting linemen oh man that that offense looked nasty and if I'm the rest of the Mountain West that makes me pretty nervous but Everyone else had a pretty good weekend as well. Nevada beats Purdue with a game-winning field goal. Uh, Walk-on kicker ends up getting putting on scholarship afterwards. Really just like the moment you're dreaming of. Great, great moment for the league. Then Wyoming really just beat down Missouri. I mean, they, they dominated the majority of that football game. Sean Chambers, Wyoming sophomore quarterback, he looked, he looked pretty impressive, man. He ran the ball like... Tim Tebow, there was a play on there where he stiff-armed a Mizzou defender and then took it like 50 yards to the house. So really just an impressive athletic play. He's got great size, really tough to bring down, doesn't shy away from contact. So I think we're going to see Wyoming try and lean heavily on him in that ground game this year. Still a little bit skeptical of Chambers as as a passing quarterback. I think if you can force them to throw the football that offense isn't quite as dangerous but with him running man they looked they looked pretty dang good and that defense looked really solid as well we knew that Wyoming was going to have a solid defensive line a good group of linebackers but they really held their own against an athletic Missouri team led by former Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant um yeah just a just a great weekend for the Mountain West (laughs) a little bit bittersweet if you're a CSU fan and I imagine you are if you're listening to this podcast. So I'm sure you're like, yeah, yeah, we get it, jerk, you know. Kind of looking on the outside, looking, you know, out the window from inside. But overall, I think it's it's good for the league to have a weekend like that. You always get so tired of hearing about how much greater some of these other conferences are. I, th- I thought it was especially good to put the American Conference in its place a little bit, at least in this one week. And, you know, if you're CSU, hopefully you can get a win like that yourself this year. You're going to have another chance with Arkansas on the road. That'll be a tall task, but before that, you obviously got to play Western Illinois. It really would have been awesome if 
CSU could have pulled out, you know, an upset victory over CU. Really just completed the completed the week for the Mountain West and just get like a clean sweep. I know Utah State lost as well, so it's not like CSU was the only one that lost to the Power Five, but overall pretty pretty good weekend to be a Mountain West football fan. I definitely enjoyed watching a lot of those games. Um definitely looking forward to the to the rest of non conference play. Got a little bit of a little bit of response from something that I tweeted at Matthew Kennerly. He is at the Mountain West Wire, and he kind of tweeted his Mountain West power rankings after week one. He had CSU dead last after week one, and I was, you know, mostly jokingly gave him a little bit of a shot and was just like, well, it's too bad, you know, CSU didn't play a powerhouse like Sam Houston State. That's who New Mexico beat. But nonetheless, some people got a little bit defensive with me when I didn't you know go back at him because he kind of clapped back with yeah well at least CSU didn't give up nine yards per play against CU progress obviously tongue-in-cheek response from him I didn't take it personal at all I think I'm sure my uh my initial response got a little bit under his skin a little bit I think it came off a little bit more aggressive than I intended it to to do and then uh you know somebody else came back and was like you know have some backbone just and stay by what you said and really I just I wasn't interested in getting in, in into any kind of Twitter beef for one Matthew Kennerly is is certainly well versed in the Mountain West he follows the league as much as anyone I like the guys at the Mountain West Wire I'm not trying to start any beef with them they they've supported my content over the years and I I support theirs so was not interested in any Twitter beefs but more importantly I just think it's silly to get in a big argument after week one we're gonna learn so much more about these teams in the coming weeks. I think after non-conference play is when you can truly gauge and give a give a fair power ranking, just given that, sure, some of these teams looked pretty good in week one, or sure, CSU could have looked better. But I think after week four, that's when we'll really be able to, you know, kind of rank the league and, and get an idea for which teams are going to potentially compete for a conference championship or not. And I'm excited to be there through it all. We've got Exciting week of content leading up to the home opener against Western Illinois. A little bit of a dud of an opponent, but still a chance to come out and have fun with your Ramley out in the sunshine. College football Saturday. can still get home and watch the primetime games on TV after. Personally, I think a 2 p.m. kickoff is just, like, magical. From a media standpoint, it's phenomenal. You don't have to wake up early. You can still get there early. You know, plenty of time before the game, and that's not that early get off in time to go out or watch more college football. Honestly, I just go home and watch more college football. I don't have a life outside of sports, but anyways, going to be a fun week. We're going to have a lot of stuff coming up on the podcast. Should have Kevin Lytle of the Colorado one on. Also working on potentially getting a really big guest. I don't want to tease it too much. Uh, I know that's kind of <laughs> kind of an annoying media move, but I, I do have some pretty big guests in the works, so I've got some big stuff coming up. Also going to start talking college hoops in the coming weeks. Uh, really looking forward to this second season under Nico Medved, but before that, we've got plenty of college football talk. Looking forward to the Rams opener. We will be back with another edition on Wednesday. Thanks for listening, guys.